Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. glad to be here? Yeah. I mean, really, are you really glad to be here? I hope you are, uh, because you see, you're only going to get out of a service what you put into it. And if you come here kind of just whatever, you're not going to get much out of it, I promise you. Uh, but I promise you can get a lot out of this service today if you put something in it. So I hope and pray that you'll put something in it today. I am real excited about this sermon series that, uh, that I am in the middle, middle of building um, I finalized this message actually late last night. been working on it for a couple of weeks and, uh, and going to go further into it in the weeks to come. So it's all kind of still developing, but it's really, um, I guess, an idea, an intent of my heart to really get us focused on what God's mission is. Um, you know, I'm at the stage in my life, I'm just tired of playing church. I, I just don't want to play it anymore. Uh, not that I've been playing it. I've been doing my very best to be as authentic and real and preach the word as best I can. But, uh, but I want a church family that's serious about living out God's word. Uh, they just don't want a, a good feel-good service or a feel-good atmosphere, but really is getting serious about being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello? I mean, there's a difference. As I shared with you last week, I think the problem with the local church today is that it's filled with converts. You may say, well, I thought that was a good thing. Well, it, that's, it's a good and bad. It's good news, bad news thing. The good news is, yes, there are converts, folks that have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But the sad thing is they stay in that state for many, many years and never really grow as a believer in Jesus Christ and become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's kind of the premise of what I'm thinking about and the direction that I'm going to be going and through this sermon series. Uh, the title of the series is simply Follow Me. Uh, last week's message was Twitter was not the first one that said follow me. And I kind of unpacked with you how Jesus came about and he met with uh, Peter and John and Andrew and James and those guys. They were fishing and mending nets and he came up and spoke to them and said follow me. Immediately they left and they started following him. There was a transformation in their life. There was a career shift in their life. There were new goals. There were new agendas. There was a new direction that they were going. And sadly, for those that call themselves Christians in America, there really is not much life transformation going on in their hearts and their life. There's some head knowledge and they kind of have an idea and they go through religious activities, but there's really not a discipleship calling where God is, where, where people are surrendering to God's call to call them out of who they are and what they're doing to become a follower of his. And so that's kind of the, the backdrop of, of where all this is going and what I'm trying to, to unpack and share with you. So um, I need you to pray for me as I um, kind of put these messages together and, and then deliver them. Uh, I tell you, it's, sometimes it's not easy to preach God's word, especially when you look at expressions on some faces and it gets hard sometimes. And so I covet your prayers and you pray for me as I try to share what I think God's laid on my, my heart today. Let's, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Father, we stand in total dependence upon you. God, we don't stand here in our flesh. We don't stand here depending upon self. We don't stand here depending upon ability. But God, we stand here in total dependence upon you. And God, I stand here knowing that the very best that John Cannon can do is reach the ears of those that would even pay attention and listen. And how I totally depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to take the words that I'm going to say and pierce our hearts. And Tyler was so right. Oh, if we could get excited about Jesus like we do Cherry Coke. If we could start a revival with just one or two people that said, you know what, I'm going to get serious about following Christ. 
It could transform our churches, transform our communities, our state, our nation, our world. But sometimes we are so earthly minded, we are of no heavenly good. God, convict us of that. Draw us to yourself. Help us to be Christ's followers. Help us to be disciples of you. Lead and guide and direct me through this sermon series and what it is you're speaking to me about. Help me, God, to be able to convey that and communicate that in a way that this congregation can can grasp a hold of what it is you're speaking to all of us. Lord, I'm just your vessel. I'm just your mouthpiece. I'm just your messenger. Speak through me today, dear God, I pray. Give us the words that need to be spoken. Help us to deliver them in the manner they need to be delivered. And once again, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the word of God and make us all more like the Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If there's a text verse for this entire sermon series, it's going to be the verse I shared with you last week. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and verse number 19. I want you to look at that passage. I really want you to commit this passage of Scripture to memory because it is one of those... Actually, it's one of those verses that are so easy to memorize and we've heard it so frequently and so often that a lot of times we kind of dismiss it and we don't pay much attention to it. But this is a what I call, like to call an RTL verse. This is one of those verses that can radically transform your life. It can transform your life. It can transform your family. And it obviously has power to transform the local church. But we've got to really dig in and understand what's being said here. And that's the foundational message that I shared last Sunday. And I hope you'll go to the podcast if you missed that and get that because that's where the foundation is for all these messages we're going to preach hereafter. And we talked about Matthew 4, 19. Let's read it together. The Bible says, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Follow me. Now, if you remember last week, just as a summary, I broke that down in three different areas. I believe we can break that down to the head, the heart, and the hand. The head, he says, follow me. In other words, we make an intentional decision to turn, repent of our sins, to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we just kind of have this, this direction of, of head knowledge that said, yes, I will follow you. I will follow Jesus. But unfortunately, and that is the, I guess, the conversion stage, whenever we turn and we follow Jesus, okay? That's conversion. And that's where I talked about that the tr- church is in trouble there. Are you with me? Everybody say the church is in trouble. The church is in trouble because our churches are filled with converts. Now, get this. Whenever I talk about a church being filled with converts, I'm not talking about converts that were saved last week. Or converts that just last month made a decision. Or or converts that went off to summer camp and, and made a decision at summer camp. I'm talking about the church being filled with converts that made a decision for Christ possibly 30 years ago. But are still babes in Christ. I'm talking about people that have made a decision for Christ maybe 50 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. But the point is, all they have is head knowledge. They've made a decision to follow Jesus, and that's as far as they have come in the process. Guys, listen, it must be our life mission to not only get converts, and a lot of people get hung up right here and just want to share the gospel, get somebody saved, and let them pray a sinner's prayer, and we rejoice, we get them baptized, we say amen, and we move on. But let me tell you, the Great Commission has not been fulfilled if we just leave them there. Amen. We're to teach them, we're to grow them. We are to make disciples of all men. Hello? So the first part of this is the head part. Follow me. The second part is where he says that we are being changed. Follow me, he says, and I will make you. Man, I love that passage of Scripture. Let me ask you a question. Who is changing the heart and the life of the believer, the one that surrendered to follow him? Who is the one that's changing them? 
It's Christ. Hello? It's not the church. It's not our religious rules and regulations. So many times we want to see somebody that has made a decision to trust Christ, and then we put all these rules and regulations on them and say, if you have trusted Christ, then you will do this and that and the other. May I remind you that an individual becomes a follower of Jesus Christ before their life is transformed? They make a decision to trust Christ as their Savior. And then Jesus says, follow me. And when you follow me, I will lead you in the process of making you into the person that I want to make you into. Follow me and I will make you. That second part is the heart part. Jesus is going to make us into the people he wants to make us into. He's going to convert us and transform us from the inside out. Hello? We may, listen, an individual that's been a convert, and I don't care if it's been a week or 30 years, if that's as far as they've gone, there may be some things in their life that it may be hard to really kind of tell who they're following because they're just a babe in Christ. Because once we make a decision to follow Jesus, then he says, I will make you. That's part two. And by the way, that's a lifetime of him making us into that person he wants us to be. Hello? It doesn't happen overnight. And there may be things that when you made a decision to trust Christ that immediately you dropped out of your life, but there may be other areas that people struggle in that God's going to have to grow them to the place to prune some things out of their life. We cannot be legalistic about what someone needs to look like. Are, are you with me, church? We must allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct them and make them into the person that He wants to make them into. Now, we've got to do our part. We've got to equip and train and teach and mentor and counsel and take somebody on our wing and build relationships and all these things we are responsible for. But listen, I'm not responsible for the job of the Holy Spirit. That's His job. Early on in my ministry, I've shared with you, I thought I was responsible for that. I thought I preach, I share the Word. Lives have changed. And I got very disappointed real quickly when I realized it wasn't happening as fast as I thought it would happen. That's when the Lord kind of convicted me and said, that's not your job. That's my job. You preach the word. I'll use the word to draw people to myself. And he says, I will make you. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you. And then he says, fishers of men, an older translation I memorized, fish for people. That's the mission. That's the hands. Okay? So we have the head... Follow me. I will make you. That's a heart of submission into the lordship of Jesus Christ, allowing him to mold us and make us in the person that he wants us to be. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men, fish for people. That's the hands. You see, once we become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, we will be concerned about the souls of a lost and a dying world. Maybe I need to say that again. Maybe you totally missed that. Once we become mature in Jesus Christ and we submit to the Lordship of Jesus and we allow Him to start molding us and making us, then we will be concerned not only about the discipleship process, but also about those that don't know Christ. And man, our mission will be what God's mission is. And what is that? To go and make disciples. Hello? We looked at that passage last week in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and following. The Bible says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority... Man, that means he's the one in control, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make church members. No. Go therefore and make everybody look like you. No. Go therefore and do what? Make, say it with me, disciples. What's God's mission for the church? To make disciples. God's mission for the church is to make disciples. God's mission, and and, and here's where folks get in trouble. Say, okay, that's a mission for the church. So preacher, that's your job. No, 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 no. That's our job. Hello? We're all to be involved in this. My job, according to Ephesians 4, is to equip and train and help grow all of us to the place where we all can go out and fulfill the mission of God, which is to make disciples. Are you with me? Our mission is not simply just to come to church every Sunday. Now, coming to church is good. Should we gather together for corporate worship? Yes. But that's not just our mission. 
Our mission is not to come and just be nice to people. Hello? Christian people are so nice. You know? Well, we should be nice. Hello? But that's not our mission. My mission is not to go out in the world and just be nice to people. Now, we should be nice. Hello? But that's not my mission. I'm nice because I want to fulfill the mission. Right? I'm not nice because it is the mission. You understand what I'm saying? Are y'all with me today? Our goal is not to come to church and just give an offering. Should we give an offering? Yes. But that's not the mission. Our goal, our purpose is forever. Get this. You need to jot this down. I can't remember. If I, yes, I do have it on the screen. Our goal, our purpose is for every disciple to join in God's mission to this world. That is to make disciples. So our goal is for every disciple to make disciples. Right? All of us. None of us are excused from that. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then I want to remind you, your mission is to make more disciples. That's your mission. That's my mission. We're in this thing together. Okay? That's the purpose. That's the mission, what we all need to be involved in. So what is our goal as a church? What is our goal as believers? Our goal is to make disciples and present Everyone mature in Christ. Go to the passage of Scripture that I shared with you earlier. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 28, in verse 29a, the first part of that, Paul says to the church of Colossae, he says, We proclaim Him. What is Him? What's the message you're preaching, Paul? Is it a lot of self-help messages? No. The message that you're preaching, the message that Paul's saying that I am proclaiming is Him. I am preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the full gospel. He says, we proclaim Him warning and teaching everyone with wisdom. That's a key element, a key part. I'm not going to unpack that part today. So that, why are you doing what you do, Paul? Why are you proclaiming Him? Why are you giving warnings? Why are you teaching everyone? Why are you using this wisdom and this knowledge that you have to proclaim Him? Why are you doing that? He, say, he answers that. So that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Man, that's our mission, guys. That's our mission collectively as a church. That's our mission as an individual. Whenever we wake up every morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, our mission is to go out into the world and, and present everyone mature in Christ to the Lord. We're to grow disciples. We're to make disciples. And by the way, guys, hold on now. That's more than just leading someone in a sinner's prayer. There's a whole lot more than that. Matter of fact, that's baby step one. A lot of times we think that's all there is. There's so much more. And that's kind of the thought process where I want to be going in the weeks to come concerning this. Our desire must be, and this is kind of what my desire is, to create a movement. My desire is to, for Victory Church that we would, we, would, we would rally around this theme. That we would create a movement, get this, of mature disciple makers who are going out and making disciples. You know, what, you know what your small group process should be? Making disciples. You know what the goal of your small group is? Not to fellowship and have fun and play games together and share life together. Now, that's important, but it's not the goal. <laughs> are you all with me this morning? Say amen or oh me. Let me know you're there. Are you listening? Just wave at me right now if you're listening. All right, half of you are listening. The other half, I'm not waving. Uh, Listen, your small group doesn't meet for you. Can I, get you can, I, can I get you? Your small group doesn't meet just so you can have fun together. Right? Can we have fun together in our small group? Yeah, but that's not the goal. Our youth group doesn't meet just so they can have fun together. Do they have fun together? Yes, but that's not the goal. Are you with me? Our goal is to make disciples. 
And man, what I would like to see is a, is a movement start in Victory Church where we get serious about this discipleship-making process, where we are excited and we're plugged in and we're rallying around the cry of Matthew 4, 19, where Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We will be involved in the discipleship process of making disciples. And everything we do is centered, the nucleus of that, is disciple-making, disciple-making, presenting everyone mature in Christ when the Lord comes. Is that our goal? Let me ask you, why do you do what you do? Why do we do what we do? Why do we gather in our small groups? Why do we come for corporate worship? I mean, to me, this is one of the best tools we can use to to help make disciples is is inviting those people that we are investing in and being sure they're here on Sunday morning so we can nurture them and mentor them and model with them and grow them and walk them along in the discipleship process. But I wonder how long it's been since you've invited someone to church on Sunday. How long has it been since we've gotten really excited, as Tyler said, since we're really passionate about carrying out the mission of making disciples. Note, newsflash, man, we need to get a hold of this. I hope this doesn't make you mad, but it's the truth. Newsflash, life is not about you. Newsflash, are you with me? Everybody smile, let me know you're there this morning. Listen, it's not about you. It's not about what you can get out of something. It's not about what the church can offer you. How selfish and we're going to talk a whole lot more about that in the weeks to come. It's not coming in here and saying, what can they offer me today? What kind of environment can they create for me so that I can worship today? That is so immature. Hello? I'm talking about growing a body of believers that are mature in Christ, that have a passion and a mission and a movement that starts when we're excited about discipling people, becoming a disciple and creating disciples. Now, all this is by way of introduction. I, I must keep moving forward here. So therefore, and by the way, may I just remind you of something? A lot of times we falsely assume that the responsibility for making disciples rest on the leadership of the church. Another newsflash. Uh-uh. It doesn't. Matter of fact, the responsibility of making disciples really rests on three people. Let me tell you who those three people are. The disciple maker, the disciple that's being mentored, and God. Hello? That's where the response... Now, who is the disciple maker? That should include every single one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. If we're going to follow Him, we're going to carry out His mission. What was Jesus' mission? He told us, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, make disciples, not converts, but disciples. Right? So we're all disciple makers. So the three people involved in making disciples are the disciple makers. That's all of us. Say, say it with me. Everybody say all of us. That's all of us. That's all of us. Look at your neighbor. Point your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor, hey, you're included on this. Now, now look to the other neighbor and say, you are not exempt from this, okay? We are all to be involved in this. Every single one of us. So who are the three people, help help me stay with, who are the three people that are primarily, and I say people, I use that last one very loosely, but who are the three entities, if you will, the the three figures, if you will, that are involved in making disciples? It's the disciple maker, the one, that's us, right, thank you, Carrie, she is getting it, got it, good, all right, me, she said me, right, it's the disciple maker, that's, everybody say me, that's, okay, that's us, then there's the one being, what? Discipled, that's the other one. And then there's a big element in all of this. And it's Jesus carried out his command in Matthew, or his question in Matthew 4 19, follow me and I will make you. So God is in that thing, right? So the three responsible, it's, it's not the leadership of the church. You say, well, if the leadership of the church would do this, or if the pastor would do that, just stop. Amen. No, just stop. That's not where your problem is. Your problem's a lot deeper than that. that that's, that's just, you're just putting a band-aid on something. Are you with me? Yes. Hey, 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 I'm giving it to you today. Hey, 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 Jack. I, I love Doug Dynasty. I, I, I love Cy. Si. 
He, he is my favorite character in all of TV. <laughs> hey, Jack. Let me share with you this. And, and I want you to get, I hope you'll take out some notes and, or take out a pen and make some notes. Or I want you to get some of this. And if you'd like to have my notes sent to you via email, I'll be glad to send those to you as well. Just send me an email requesting for them. But, but here's some things I want you to get. I believe there are four components to effective spiritual assessment. And whenever we talk about making disciples, we must be able to assess where people are spiritually. Okay? If we're really intentional about making disciples then we've got to have an idea of of where people are. So I think these are four components that can be used for this effective spiritual assessment. Number one, we must identify the stages of growth. We must realize there are some stages. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. There are some stages of spiritual growth where every all of us will be in one of these five stages, okay? We'll just be there. And I'm going to unpack those here in just a moment. The second thing is, once we identify, identify the stage, we must have an understanding of the characteristics and the needs of each stage. Because each stage level that someone is in, in the discipleship process, the characteristics while they're there and the needs are different. Okay? So we've got to have a knowledge of that. We've got to be, if we're going to make disciples, that's what I'm going to teach you. I'm, I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to give you some things that are going to help you in this process. We've got to identify what stage they're in, and then we must know what are the characteristics, what are the needs to be able to help grow them to the next stage. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. We also must recognize some key phrases. <laughs> we must recognize some key phrases that the people use in each stage. Now, here, here's a, and I'm going to talk more about this in just a moment, but, but here's what I want you to know. The fruit reveals the root. Everybody say that. The fruit reveals the root. Say it with me. The fruit reveals the root. So what we've got to be are fruit inspectors because as we are inspecting the fruit, it's revealing the root of that person and where they are. We've got to be able to identify that. And then we must help and develop and help move them forward. As I shared last week, the problem in the church is it's filled with converts. People that made a head knowledge decision to follow Jesus, and that's as far as they've come. And, and I don't care if it's been a month ago or 30 years ago. It doesn't matter how long you've been on the road. It really matters how you travel the road. And there's many folks that have been saved a very long time but they're just babes in Christ, they're new converts in Christ, spiritually speaking, and they're living their life, and everybody's looking to them because they've been saved 45 years. Well, surely that person is a spiritual parent. Not so fast. Matter of fact, maybe not. And so we're going to be able to identify that with some of the actions that they live out in their life. And Listen, I'm going to, I'm, this is going to be very blunt. It's going to be very straightforward. I'm going to, let, I'm going to give you some, some tools that will help you inspect the fruit because the fruit will always reveal the root, right? Say it with me. The fruit will... It's going to always reveal the root. As a matter of fact, as I share some of these things in the weeks to come, you may say, man, I thought I was there. In reality, I'm right here. Because that's what the fruit is revealing, where the root is. Are you with me? All right. Let me give you the five stages. I, I think in order to reach our goal, we must identify the discipleship stages of people. If we are to make disciples, we must understand where they are. Now, there's five areas... There's five stages, if you will. Uh, today, I'm only going to talk about the first one. I'm not even going to get into the other four. But I want to introduce them to you today. The five areas of discipleship, the discipleship stage. Number one, spiritually dead. Just absolutely dead as a hammer spiritually. In other words, that's an individual that, that is not saved. That's never trusted Christ. They haven't, they haven't gotten to the head part where they even follow Christ. Okay, So they're spiritually dead. The second part is they're an infant. They're just a babe in Christ. Okay. Then the third part is they're just a child. They're uh, you know just kind of running around and just a child, and we all know what children, how we need to parent those. The next one is a young adult, and then the fifth stage is the spiritual parent. Now, if if we're going to do what Paul said, our goal is to present everyone mature in Christ. Then we got to pay attention to this because maturity is not an infant or a child, right? We all know that in raising kids, we must get them to the point of spiritual. Maturity, which is a parent. 
to where now they are turning around and parenting people through these stages. And this is the discipleship process. So let's talk about these five stages. The first one I want to talk about is just spiritually dead. I'm going to unpack this, lean into it just a little bit, and we're going to be done. Okay? I'm still kind of laying foundation for this whole thing, but I want to share these four other areas next week. But today I want to just lean into the first one. It's just spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Now, once again, remember, the fruit reveals the root, right? I mean, you can look at someone's life, you can listen to what they're talking about, see what they're involved in, kind of just, and just kind of look at that. That's the fruit. By the way, everyone is producing some type of fruit, whether it's good or bad, pretty or ugly. We're all producing some type of fruit, right? So what we do, we look at that fruit, because the fruit always reveals what? The root. Say it with me. Everybody together. The fruit always reveals the root. Man, this is good stuff. I hope you can get a hold of this. The first stage is the spiritually dead. Let's read this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Now, he's writing to believers here. And he's reminding them of who they were. He says, and you were what? Dead. Paul says, you were dead. Now, he's writing to believers. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Paul is saying, hey, before you accepted Christ, before you became a disciple of Christ, before you became a Christ follower, you were spiritually dead. How do I know that? Paul is saying, because you were dead in your trespasses, you were dead in your sins, you walked according to the ways of the world, you walked according to the ruler who exercised authority over the Lord, over the Lord heavens, and that is Satan himself, the spirit that now works in, in disobedience. He said, this, that's the fruit you were revealing. You were just spiritually dead, okay? We too, in verse number three, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, everybody say, but God. Man, I am so glad that Ephesians 4, verse number 4 is there, okay? Because God intervened. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive. Who is making us again? Christ is. But God, okay, who is rich in grace and mercy, made us alive with the Messiah. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace, okay? The point I want you to see is that discipleship stage number one is just an individual spiritually dead. Now, this is the person that has never accepted Christ as their Savior. They've never followed the command to follow me when Jesus comes by and he knocks on their heart's door and the Holy Spirit convicts and draws you and we, we reject and, and we're disobedient. We're kind of rebellious towards that and we kind of push that away. That's where this individual is. So these are people. Here's what I want you to get. The spiritually dead are people at this stage have not yet accepted Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. Okay? We understand that? I think that's a given for most of us. I think we understand that pretty well. So the spiritually dead are people that just simply have not accepted Christ. Now, here's the kicker. These people may simply reject God or they may be seeking God. Okay? These people aren't totally rebellious to the call of God. They may be seeking after God. They just don't know where to find Him. They don't know what to do. They don't know what the next step is. So they can either be rejecting God or they can be seeking God. They can be interested in spiritual things, but they're still spiritually dead. Listen, these people that are spiritually dead can be faithful to worship services on any given Sunday. They can be there. These people that are spiritually dead can still even... I'm not talking about... Listen, I'm not talking about a, a vile, sinful man that's doing some hideous, sinful activity out there. I'm talking about a good person can be in this category. Now, they're all spiritually dead. But sometimes we, we identify, oh, that's the spiritually dead. Listen, they can sit in our church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and be spiritually dead. They can be involved in religious activities Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and still be spiritually dead. They may even, get this, they may even claim to know God, claim to be a Christian, claim to be a Christ follower, however... The fruit 
that they are producing does not reveal the fact that they're a Christ follower. Are you with me? So we've got to be able to identify this. There's no spiritual fruit, and we all know that the fruit reveals what? The root. Now here's, here's something I want you to understand. People that are, that are spiritually dead are going to act that way. So therefore, don't expect someone that's spiritually dead to act like a mature, believing Christian. And by the way, we need to have relationships in our own personal life with people that are spiritually dead. If we're going to make disciples, man, we've got to be interacting with them. Right? We've got to be building relationships with them. We've got to be growing them to the point where they accept Christ as their Savior. So a lot of times, we, we as Christians, we like to hibernate inside, inside the four walls of the church. And, and we're kind of, man, we just don't want to be involved in anything in the world. We kind of hibernate in here. Listen, here's what I like, the term I like to use. I believe we need to insulate ourselves, not isolate ourselves. Hello? We need to insulate ourselves with the Word of God. Right? Hey, it's okay for the ship to be on the water, but there's a problem when the water gets in the ship. Hello? Are y'all with me? So let's think about that. What relationships are we building out in the world with people that are spiritually dead? And when they're spiritually dead, they're going to act that way. By the way, you know why a dog barks? It's not, yeah, it's not real deep. It's a dog. Right? You know why a cat call? I was going to say meow, but I was going further than that. You know why a cat coughs up a hairball? Because it's a cat. Have you ever coughed one up? I've never coughed one up. Wow, I'm not a cat. Dog, I mean, cats have coughed them up, right? I mean, why, why do... Because that's what they are. Why do sinners sin? Why do they speak the way they speak? Why are they doing the things they're doing? Why are they involved in the activities they are? Why are they doing all these things that we label as sinful things? Because they're spiritually dead. That's all they know, right? So what we need to quit being... Listen to me, church. Listen to me. What we need to stop being... It's so judgmental. Are you with me? If we're going to get serious about making disciples, then we have to just accept people where they are. Right? And our goal and our thought process is we want to grow them. And by the way, I shared with you a while ago that the fruit always reveals the root. That's not original with me. Who do you, you think brought up that concept originally? Jesus did. Look, if you will, in your scriptures in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 45. Jesus made it very clear, before I read this passage, He made it very clear that you can hear where a person's heart is just by listening to them talk and watching their activities. You don't have to ask a whole lot. Look what He said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. And He gives two different parallels, a good man and an evil man. He says, A good man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart. And an evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So just listen. If we can just listen to people, we'll determine where they are. I mean, they're going to tell you where they are. They may not think they're telling you where they are spiritually, but if you would just listen to them, you can identify. Matter of fact, get this. Hello. If you just watch some of their Facebook posts, you'll identify where they are spiritually. I mean, they're going to put on there what's on their heart. Say amen or on me. <laughs> Hello. And by the way, do you realize, listen, guys, when you throw something out there on the Internet, do you know it's out there forever and a day? Do you understand that? Just let me give a... And we're going to get into this in the social media stuff with the parents. Be careful what you put on there. But by the way, you're revealing where your heart is, and you're kind of revealing where you are spiritually. You see, I, and I, by the way... I'm almost to the point where I almost detest Facebook. I like to throw things on there for ministry purpose and what have you, and, and I I'm, I'm primarily do that from Twitter and just kind of throw that on there. It just grieves my spirit sometimes to read what people are posting on there. And that's kind of a sidebar. Just kind of, so you know where I'm trying to be fully transparent right here. Are you with me? I'm reading that thing. Good grief, really? You know, so I, I just move past that. But what, what people are doing, really, get this now, what, what we're all doing... Whatever our Facebook status is, we're really just revealing. We're telling the world where we are spiritually in our discipleship stage. If we take what Jesus said, whatever they speak, 
from the abundance of the heart, he's talking about, from his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So what are some, we're talking about the spiritually dead. What are some of the phrases, by the way, with each one of these five stages, there's some phrases with the stage. Everybody say that. Phrases with the stage. Or phrases of the stage. Or phrases from the stage. However you want to say it. There's some phrases with each stage. Now, if you will listen to this, and Jesus told us, man, he taught us how to do this. Are you with me? I'm not, listen, I'm not breaking new ground here. The, the, matter of fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there's nothing new under the sun. Hello? So this is not profound, groundbreaking truth being done. This is just, I'm just trying to remind you what Jesus said. And Jesus said, if you'll just listen to what they say, it will identify where they are because the fruit always reveals the root. So what are some of the phrases with the stage of those that are spiritually dead? Here are a few phrases. You may hear them say this. I don't believe there's a God. Or the Bible's just a bunch of myths. Listen, or religion is a crutch for the weak. Now, listen, whenever you hear that kind of stuff, don't get offended. Right? Now, I would get upset if I heard someone that claimed to be a spiritual parent, stage five, say something like this. Because I expect more from an individual like that. Right? But I'm not expecting a whole lot from someone that's spiritually dead. And they're going to make statements like this. And I'm going to say, okay, I appreciate you sharing that with me because you just revealed to me where you are spiritually. So now I know what I need to do. Now I know I go to my spiritual toolbox and open up the third drawer and I get out this particular wrench and I'm going to come back and we're going to do surgery with this passage of Scripture. Right? So we can't be so quick to get judgmental or defensive. Just let them speak. Right? Here's some more phrases they may use. Christians are just so intolerant. Here's another one I've heard lately. Christians are so homophobic. Right? You're just identifying where they are. They're just spiritually dead. You heard this one? Here's another phrase with the stage. There are many ways to God. There's no one way. Spiritually dead. I don't believe in hell. People just make their own hell. You just revealed to me where you are. Are you getting this, guys? So now I know what I'm going to have to do to be able to make a disciple out of this person, they're identifying with what they're saying, where they are spiritually in their life. Here's another one. There's no absolute right or wrong. If something's right for you, it might not necessarily be right for me, and vice versa. Here's another one. I've been a good person, so when I die, everything will be okay. I'll just take my chances with the big man upstairs. You, you've heard these statements before, right? The fruit... Reveals the root. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, if you just listen to the words they're saying, they're revealing what's in their heart. Okay? So that's all we're doing. We're just identifying the stage. Here's another one. I'm spiritual, but I don't need to connect with any religion or even go to church. Spiritually dead. Right? So all I want you to see are some of the, and recognize some of the phrases of where people are so that you'll understand and know how to help them. I'm going to close out with this. What's, what's some ways we can help? Whenever we identify someone that's spiritually dead, what is our responsibility? Done. No. Right? What is our responsibility? What are the needs from this stage? What are the tools that we're going to have to use? What are, what's the next step of action? that we are to take as a believer in Christ that, that, that is intentional about trying our best to make disciples. We're hearing these phrases instead of just writing them off and saying, you know what, I'm done with you. No. There's some things we need to do because that's stage number one. They're spiritually dead. And if we have a passion like Christ's passion, we're going to carry out His mission. We're going to be the head, heart, and hands for Jesus. And we want to reach these individuals that are in discipleship stage number one. And that is simply spiritually dead. So what do they need from us? Here's what they need. They need love from us. Now what I mean by that, they need an honest friendship. Now I'm not going to come and condone everything they're doing in their life. I'm not talking about that type of... I'm, I'm talking about, I'm going to love you enough, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm talking about that kind of love. Are you with me? And I'm going to build a relationship with you. And I'm going to invite you and your family over for dinner. Or we may go out to dinner. Or we may go to a ball game together. And then, you know, some things, we're going to start building a, a relationship together. Why? Because I want to reach you with the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. So they need love through honest friendships and honest relationships. Now notice, I did not say they need religion. I did not say they need to get involved in religious activities. I'm saying they need a relationship. And they need a relationship with you. And by the way, you're going to meet people and see people and know people that I will never be able to meet and see and know. And God expects you to be that disciple maker. To disciple them, then God's going to be involved. And there's the three that are in the process of making a disciple that's responsible for that. So we need to love them through honest friendships and honest relationships. They need to be introduced to Jesus. And by the way, here's something we need to do. Listen, they need to see the life of the gospel lived out in your life. Hello? Now get this. I'm saying we need to love them, we need to interact with them, and we need to build relationships with them, but they need to see Jesus in me. Now, I'm not talking about some holier-than-thou, pie-in-the-sky, self-pious type, self-righteous type of attitude. I'm talking about they need to see Jesus in me. I'm talking about they need to, they need to see me model what a Christian life is like. They need to be able to just watch me without me saying anything and be able to know what a Christian life is like, Right? You've heard the phrase in raising your kids. You've seen it. More is caught than... Finish it for me. Taught. More is caught than taught. The same thing spiritually speaking. So we need to model that. We need to love them through honest relationships. We need to love them through friendships. We need to introduce Jesus. They need to be able to see the life of the gospel lived out in our life. Listen, they also need answers to their questions. And they're going to come question everything you believe in. And I've seen Christians get offended here. Well, I can't believe you would ask that. Listen, don't, don't do that. They're just trying to discover. And by the way, guys, we are living, now more than ever, we are living in a biblically illiterate culture. Sometimes I'll be talking with someone about the gospel or the Bible, and I'll share some story. And I'll, oh, that's some little story. You already know that. And they're like, no, no, no. I don't know I've ever heard that story. And, and, and little stories in the Bible that we just think everybody knows. Listen, there's a world of people out there that never even heard those little stories. I'm talking about a, a culture that is biblically illiterate. Therefore, we need to answer their questions about the Bible. We need to answer their questions about God. We need to answer their questions about Christianity. And by the way, if you haven't seen it as of late, I'll introduce it to you once again. It's been on there for about almost three years now. On our website, there's a link called the Answer Cafe. You can go and get connected. You can scroll down. You click on the Answer Cafe. You can go in there and it'll bring up a, a page on our website. You can type in any question that somebody may ask you or that you may have. You type that in there. It, it pertains to anything in life. You type it in there and it'll give you a whole list of biblical responses to that question. You can print those off in PDF docs. You can save them to your computer, whatever. Use that tool because it's there for you to use. If you have questions, go there. Use that. If, if whoever it is you're mentoring a disciple is asking questions and you don't know. Let me, let me share this with you. I remember my theology professor said this to us preacher boys. He said, boys, he said the greatest words, the greatest statement you'll ever say is this. I don't know, but I'll help you get the answer. He said, it's okay for you as a pastor and a preacher to say, you know what? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that, but I will partner with you. And together we will discover the answer to that question. Now, you know what? Some people are going to have to swallow their pride to be able to say that. Because some people walk around like they know everything. Matter of fact, whenever I identify that, I stay away from that person because I realize they don't know anything. I t I'll be honest with you. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know. I mean, the deeper I get in the Word, the more I realize, man, I don't, I, I don't even know that I've scratched the surface. All right? So it's okay. When people ask you questions, it's okay. Say, man, I, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. But I promise, I'm going to partner with you, and together we'll discover that answer. And then you go dig. you got some homework to do now, and you go dig. Man, I've been confronted with some deep questions. I mean, even recently. And I'll shoot an email back and say, dude, man, that's a great question. I've never even thought about that before. So I don't even know what to tell you. Give me a week. <laughs> and then I go dig, Right? So it's okay. You need to answer their questions. Last thing, and I'm done. They need a clear presentation of the gospel. 
Now, if you can't present the gospel clearly, you've got some homework to do. You need to be able to know. You can't just send them to the preacher. They're not going to come listen to me. You've built a relationship with them, right? I mean, you can bring them to church on Sunday, what have you, but the point is you need to share the gospel with them, right? You need to get in class 401, and we teach you how to do that. Some of these core classes are just for these purposes. And if, if you missed the last one and you're not scheduled for the next, shoot us an email. We'll send you the curriculum material. We'll meet with you one-on-one. We'll help you. You need to know how to present the gospel clearly. Here's how we're going to close this thing out today. I'm done. At stage number one, I want to dig in there a little bit more than I did these other ones. I'm going to share the other four with you next week. But let me ask you a question. Are you in stage number one? Are you there? You, as, if you remember, I said that sometimes people are in stage one, they're in church every week. But they've never come to the place where they've repented of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ is their personal Savior who loved you, who died for you. Isaiah 53 says that the God of heaven placed upon him, Jesus, the sins of the entire world. He was buried. He rose again victorious on the third day. He's making intercession for you right now in heaven. That's kind of the gospel in a nutshell. What you need to simply do is realize that you've sinned. Realize, listen, we're all sinners. Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus Christ into your heart and become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. Then there's a whole discipleship process after that. But maybe you're here today and you think, man, maybe I am in stage number one. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and I just want the band to come and just play softly. Where are you? Are you there? What about your life? Are you there in stage number one? If so, I want to ask you today, will you simply just trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Just trust in Him. Look to the finished work of the cross. Trust in Christ as your Savior. But secondly, here's what I want you to do. And this is how we're doing the invitation today. If you're here today and and you know you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, you're a Christ follower, you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is well with you. Let me ask you a question. What What about your family? Think about your family. Is anyone in your family in stage one? If so, you're the one that has some work to do. You need to be praying with them. You need meeting with them and talking with them and cultivating the relationship and sharing the gospel with them and loving them. What about not only your family, but what about your friends? Think right now about your friends. People you run with, people you call your friend, people you see, where are they? Are they spiritually dead? If so, you've got to reach them. You've got to share the gospel with them. You've got to love them. You've got to be a friend to them. You've got to build relationships with them. And not just go hang out and have fun. It's got to get deeper than that. Think of now about your co-workers. What about people you work with? Are they Christ followers? Are they in discipleship stage number one where they are just simply spiritually dead? You can usually hear that on and discern that on Monday morning when they come back to work and they share what all happened in their week weekend. Don't judge them for it. Don't rebuke them. Don't scold them. Love on them. They're identifying where they are. They're doing what they do because that's who they are. Take them out to lunch. Buy their lunch. Share with them your concern for their soul and how Jesus loves them. What about your neighbors? Are they in discipleship stage number one of spiritually dead? Guys, we've got to get serious about this. We've got to get serious about making disciples. We've got to get serious about living life outside of ourself. It's really not about me. It's not about me. It's about Him. Paul said, I have become a servant to the body of Christ, the church. The cause of the church to make disciples. I'm not talking about Victory Church. I'm not talking about any denomination. I'm talking about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ.
carrying out his mission in our life, being the hands and the feet and the heart and the head of Jesus and allowing him to work through us. Here's what I want you to do in this invitation. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to have Brother Paul, if you will, please. He's going to come right here and stand while I can keep speaking with you. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and, and you would like someone to pray with you and show you how to accept Christ as your Savior, I want you to know you can do that a couple ways. You can just stay right there where you're sitting. You do not have to get up and come forward. And you can just indicate on your connection card, please someone touch base with me. I'm interested in what I've got to do and hearing the gospel and I'm confused. I have questions. Just let us know something and we'll follow up with you this week and we'll talk with you one-on-one. -on -one. But maybe you're here this morning, you're like, man, I've identified, I, I thought things were well, but I don't even know that I'm saved. I don't even know that I'm a believer. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. See, I don't ever want us to leave here and you needed someone to pray with you and we did not give you an opportunity to pray and to seek counsel and to have someone help you. And that's why I usually have Brother Paul come, Brother John come, and, and they're here for you. So if you'd like to come forward when we sing, you can certainly do that. I don't want you to feel pressured to. You certainly do not. You can do business there in your seat. But if you need somebody to pray with you and talk to, then Brother Paul will be here. And if more come, we'll have other counselors step up and help you. But for those of you that know you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to think now about your circle of influence. I want you to think about your family. I want you to think about your friends. I want you to think about your coworkers. I want you to think about your neighbors. I want you to think about those occasional acquaintances you have in life on a weekly basis. And I want you to ask yourself the question, are they spiritually dead? If so, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out a piece of paper or take out your tablet or your iPhone or your notes, wherever it is you write notes. And I want you to start writing some names down of some people that you know in your life that are spiritually dead. And I want you to start praying for them. I want you to build a bridge with them. I want you to have relationships with them because eternity is at stake. And if they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Jesus said, I didn't say it, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. If they don't know Jesus as their Savior, there's no hope for them come eternity. Do you know people like that in your circle of influence? If so, I believe the Lord's land on your heart today to, that you've got to reach them. What are you doing to reach them? I want you to write their names down. Father, we commit this time to you, a time of reflection, of soul searching in our own heart and in our own life. Help us, God, to create a movement here at Victory Church where we are people that are on mission for the cause of Christ. Not just going through the motions, not just being religious, but are serious about making disciples. Not just converts, but disciples. And God, today we've identified people that we know in our life that are spiritually dead. God, we're not judging them, we're not condemning them, we're certainly not casting rocks. We preached a message several weeks ago about drop the rocks. God, we need to drop the rocks. We need to quit being so judgmental. We need to have a heart of love and compassion that reaches out and draws people and helps draw them to you. Help us, God, as you've laid it on our hearts, the, the names of people we need to be witnessing to. Help us, God, to reach them. There's one here today that that's identified that they're spiritually dead, my prayer is that they would pray a prayer like this to say, Dear God, I realize that I've sinned and I'm a sinner just like everybody else. And right now, Lord, the best I know how, I'm giving my heart and my life to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent of them right now and I ask you, Lord, to come into my life. I believe you're the sinless son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. I believe you are the Son of God. 
and I invite you into my life and I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. Right now, God, I give you me the best I can. I'm sorry. Forgive me. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.